Car repair, the nightmare of the Western world. You don't know the difference between the catalytic converter and the powertrain, the carburetor and the camshaft. You've been ripped off endlessly by unscrupulous mechanics who've charged hundreds or thousands of dollars. You're sick of feeling like a complete idiot and you just don't want to take it or pay for it anymore. Well, your life's about to change. Meet Pam Oaks, ASE certified and top-notch auto technician host, shop owner, and author of Car Care for the Clueless, or how to make money while maintaining a vehicle. She'll answer your questions and teach you how to talk car talk. Get under the hood right now with Pam. And welcome back to another episode. On this week's show, we're going to have 45-year-plus veteran Jerry Oaks back with us. And he's going to explain when you need an alignment. This is very important regarding your fuel economy, steering, and braking. And by the way, if the last name sounds a little familiar, yes, that is my dad. He's been doing this over 45 years. His specialty was steering gear and suspension. So he's going to be joining us this week regarding your tires and how they're wearing on the front of your car. We're going to have our cheap car care We're going to have our email question of the week. Compliments of Ted from Oklahoma. Our trouble service bulletins are going to be covering General Motors and Hyundai products. Our gadget guru's back with another economically priced fun gadget for our vehicle, Peter Sudak. We'll have our tire tip and our automotive history lesson for the week. So let's start this week's episode and talk to my dad. Like I told you before, he was in the business for more than 45 years. He's got a wealth of experience, knowledge. It's it's just amazing. It really is what this man knows about steering gear, suspension, tires, braking ability. So today I'm going to talk with my pop. He's going to explain to you how important, how vital it is to keep your car in proper alignment. Hi, Dad. How you doing? Hi, honey. How are you doing, sweetie? Good. That's good. We're going to ask you a question today regarding alignments, and we'd like to know what your opinion is. When do you need an alignment? Well, everybody should check their alignment at least once you're under normal driving conditions, and of course, if you get a new set of tires on your vehicle, you should have your alignment checked just to make sure your new tires are going to wear properly. But the best thing to do is kind of keep your tires rotated often every four to 5,000 miles and check the wear to see how they're wearing. If they are wearing a little unusual, a little funny to one side, then you should check that alignment again immediately. A tire would wear, start to wear funny. How quickly could it ruin a set of tires? Well, that depends on what you're doing when you're ruining the tires. There might be a lot of tread left on the tires, but you're doing damage to the tires where they'll never balance properly again. It's because of the uneven wear or choppiness in the tires. So the tire could be 70-80% left and be damaged to the point the car will never drive properly again. It'll have vibration problems. What about a, a truck or a SUV? Should that be done more often? Should well, that be checked more often? Normally a truck and SUV doesn't have to be more often. If it's a commercial vehicle, yes, because a commercial vehicle gets a lot more miles put on it. So a commercial vehicle should be checked possibly every six months. Mm-hmm. Depending on the mileage, but most commercial vehicles put twenty-five or thirty thousand miles a year on them, so they should check it probably twice a year. Okay. What about the weight in the back, even commercial or you know a passenger car? You mean the load that they carry in the back? Yes. Well, again, uh, when you're having that alignment check, the vehicle should be loaded the way the vehicle travels on a road. They should never empty the vehicle, take it in for alignment. They should keep the vehicle loaded, just as if they were uh, doing a commercial job. Okay. 
On some vehicles, they have the speed rating on the tires, you know, they have either an H or a V right. or a W. Should these be checked more often? It's not necessary, no. Because, you know, you're talking about wear pattern, and those tires are very expensive. Yes, they are, but you've got to keep your eye on the tires. And if you start to see a wear pattern, like I've said before, you have to have that checked immediately. Don't put it off, because you can damage the tire and that's to the it point after. that it won't ride properly anymore. Once you establish that wear pattern, that's about it. You're stuck with it. Yep, if you see a pattern, if you see, just run your hands around the tire, you can tell if the tire is starting to get a little funny. Sometimes you can even feel it. So you, what you got to do is you got to get the alignment taken care of and put the, those tires on the back and put the backs up front and see if the back end will straighten them out any. How would you feel it? You mean choppiness? It'd be rough one direction versus the other, or it'd be sloping inwards or outwards? Well, the choppiness could be on the inside of the tire or the outside of the tire. It depends on how condition the alignment's in. But that's what they'd be looking for is the choppiness of the yeah, tire. Choppiness and uneven tire wear, the flat spots. And uneven tire wear. See, you can get uneven tire wear without getting flat spots on the tires. Then you wouldn't feel that at all until it was too late. And that's why you got to do a visual inspection on your tires probably at least once a month. What you do one time when you park your car, either turn your wheels all the way to the left or turn them all the way to the right, turn the engine off, and uh, go out there and take a look at your tires. Do a visual scan on your tires to see all the worm. What about air pressure? Air pressure? That depends, again, on the way the vehicle is loaded. A lot of people run the vehicle a lot with three or four people and it going to work or something, and some people don't, again, run it with just the one person. The air pressure from the manufacturer is what the tire should be carrying at the time. You never want to exceed the pressure rating on the tire, but sometimes the manufacturer will have one rating where you can actually put more air in the tire, and at that point you should make sure if you're traveling a lot, with extra weight in a car to add three or four more pounds to that tire. That's to help support the tire and the Correct. suspension. Correct, support the weight. Well, thank you for your time. Okay, honey. Have okay. a good day. Thank you, too. Again, I want to thank my dad for talking to us about why you need an alignment and when you need an alignment and how important it is for your vehicle to stay in line and keep it in line for your braking, your tire condition, everything. Most of all, your wallet. Keeping your car in line is going to save you money, and that's the whole premise for this. And I'm going to give you a little example of why you need to keep an eye on your alignment. We had a customer came in. We put four tires on their car and, of course, checked the alignment. Formed an alignment, actually. It was a little bit off. About six months later, they moved. They moved into a condo. This condo happened to have speed bumps in the parking lot. Well, all of us are familiar with speed bumps, those little yellow bumps that you drive over to slow yourself down going through a parking lot, even though some people don't. And he really didn't, and this is what happened. He continuously would hit these speed bumps between 20 and 25 miles an hour. That was the posted speed limit. Well, common sense tells you that that may be the posted speed limit, but you don't need to be driving your car over these speed bumps that fast kind of jars you, doesn't it? We've all accidentally hit them at a certain speed higher than five miles an hour, and it kind of gives you a good jar. That's telling you to slow down. Well, he kept this up, kept this up, came back in about three months later. Now, this is about nine months after we installed these tires. He was really mad because the inside of the tires, they were bald. Couldn't figure out why they were bald. The outside of the tread looked fine, but the inside was bald. We put the car on the alignment rack, got our printout, we looked at it, and it was really out. So, I started asking questions. 
Well, you know, did you change jobs, different parking lots? Do you remember hitting something? And finally it came out that, oh, he moved to this condo with these speed bumps. And I asked him, how fast are you going over these bumps? He says, well, the speed limit's 25. That gave me my answer. When approaching a speed bump, you need to slow down to keep it under five miles an hour for the front axle and for the back axle. And that means for those front wheels and for those rear wheels, you're going five miles an hour or less. If you want to keep your alignment intact, you want to keep your tires nice, you want to keep the suspension strong, you need to be taking these speed bumps five miles an hour or less. If somebody's behind you, they're blowing their horn. I don't care if the Queen of England's behind you and she's blowing the horn on her Rolls Royce. Let me tell you, you keep on hitting those speed bumps fast. That person behind you is trying to force you over them quickly. They're not going to be paying for your tires. They're not going to be paying for your alignment. You're the one who's going to be paying. And if you heed my warning and you go over these speed bumps five miles an hour or less, you won't be paying for an alignment or extra tires because the car is going to stay in factory specs, just how we want it, just how we set it up. And on this week's cheap car care tip, we're going to talk about our headlights. That's right, our headlights. It's that time of year. We're going into the winter solace. That means it's getting dark earlier and getting light later. We have those headlights on and we want people to see us. And what's the best way to do that? Having a crystal clear lens on our headlights. You know, they make those headlight lenses out of plastic now, but we have a solution between $20 and $25. And any box store or any automotive retail center, they actually have kits. Kits you can do in your driveway or in your garage. And these kits actually clean off that icky, dull residue that impedes that light coming through. Like I said, you can do this in your driveway, in your garage, or if you're not quite sure you want to tackle this, they do have these services at the car wash. It's cheap, it's effective, it makes your car look better, and most of all, you can see and be seen. And that's this week's Cheap Car Care Tip. And on this week's email question of the week, I have Ted from Oklahoma. Ted wrote us and was asking how important it is to replace your fuel cap. Well, Ted, this is a very good question and one kind of near and dear to my heart because you would not believe how many cars we get into the shop where the fuel cap, even though it's tight, still will set a code because there's actually a little rubber O-ring that seats up against the neck of that fuel cap. And if there's not a good seal there, well, it's going to set a code, a false code but a code no less. Changing these fuel caps out every so often is your best bet. Let me explain how this will actually be amplified in the cold weather. You know how when it gets cold out, things kind of shrink, the uh, plastic, rubber, so on and so forth. Well, this little O-ring on your gas cap, that shrinks as well. When it does that, the seal isn't as great as it used to be in higher temperatures, say in the 60s, 70s, or 80s. This rubber has contracted. Next time when you get gas, take it off and take a real good look at it. Kind of leaves a little less room for air for this fuel cap. This is a very simple fix for you. Whatever type of vehicle that you have, 
Just go to that specific dealership, that specific manufacturer, and ask for a gas cap. It is that simple. Something that you can install and it's going to save you a ton of money regarding fuel economy because you're going to have a good tight seal on that. And remember, our fuel system now runs off a of vacuum, so we want a very, very tight seal. Purchase the fuel cap. They run between $25 and $55. And the next time you get gas, you can install it then. Please remember, do not remove a gas cap with the engine running. You're just asking for problems and false codes. But please install it when you get gas. And again, remember, do not run the car. I know it's cold out there, folks, but do not run the car while you're getting gasoline. It's just going to create some false problems for you, problems that you'd have to take in, have your ASC certified technician take a look at it, and it's going to waste your money. So you're going to do two things for me. You're going to check that gas cap, check that O-ring, and make sure there's no little hairline cracks. And if it's been on there for three or four years, just go down and purchase another fuel cap. You're going to save the money that you took to purchase that fuel cap. You're going to save it in fuel alone, in your MPG alone. So just go down, replace that fuel cap. Don't guess and you will reap the benefits by having a properly operating emission system in your car. That's a very good question you asked, and thank you for writing. And if you, too, would like to ask a question, remember, just go to our website, carcareforthecluelist.com, and drop us a line, and we'll get you on the air as well. And on this week's Trouble Service Bulletin episode, we're going to be talking about Hyundais and General Motors. First, we're going to talk about the Hyundais. On the Hyundai Genesis, Tiburon, Sonatas, Tucson, Entourage, and the Elantras, they've been having a little problem with the alarm setting prematurely or just in the middle of the night in the parking lot at Chicago. And this is due to a switch in the hood. The hood switch that would activate the anti-theft if somebody were to pop the hood, for whatever reason, is activating itself without anybody triggering anything. Hyundai wants to take care of this for you. And we have the bulletin and we have the information. They're going to replace the switch for you under a consumer interest bulletin. And the number is 09BE026. Again, that's 09BakerEdward026. And ask your local dealership for help to see if your vehicle falls under the specific category for this anti-theft system alarm self-activation regarding this bulletin number that I just gave you. And next on our list is General Motors. They're having a bulletin regarding noise and damage because for whatever reason, you get a younger new tech out there and they're installing the wrong oil filter. General Motors wants all their 2010 and prior passenger cars and trucks, including Saturn, Hummer, and Saab, to make sure that the owner knows that the proper oil filter is going on. And they are very, very concerned with this because this can cause engine damage. And General Motors wants to make sure that you're getting a filter that's directly related to General Motors, one of their subsidiaries that produces these filters for them. Extremely important. They don't want you to have any engine failure or they don't want you to experience any internal engine noise or damage. This makes a lot of sense, folks, let me tell you. That goes for any manufacturer as well. Don't go cheap. You go cheap, it takes money right out of your wallet. 
This bulletin number is 0706010116 Baker. B is in Baker. That's 0706010116 B is in Baker. Extremely important. If you have any questions, ask your ASC certified technician at your ASC Blue Seal shop or contact your local GM dealership. They'll be able to help you out. Now it's time to talk to Peter Sudak, our gadget guru. Each week, Peter has an economically priced gadget for our vehicle, whether it be an accessory for the inside of our vehicle or something to help us out on a roadside emergency. Peter always makes sure that it's economically priced, yet very useful. So let's give him a ring and see what he has for us this week. Hey, Peter, this is Pam. How you doing? Hi, Pam. How are you today? Good. What do you have for us this week? Well, I have a uh, an object. It's called a power inverter. Okay. For the car. All right. But the ingenious thing about it, it's got two little outlets like you have in your home. Right. And it has a USB port for computers. Okay. But the fun thing is, it's shaped like a coffee travel mug. Are you serious? Dead serious. So it fits in your coffee holder? Yeah, it just sits in your coffee holder, and oh. yep, and it's got two outlets and handles up to 200 watts, which would, for the car, would, would relate roughly to about 15 amps or so wow. maximum, maybe a little bit more than that, but about 15 amps. That's quite amp. a bit. Yeah. Yeah, for a car accessory, yeah, so you can, you can plug in something that doesn't take more than 15 amps in that thing, or plug in your computer, and off you go. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty neat little thing. It looks like a coffee mug, too. That's the cool part. You know, you'd have to watch it, though, depending upon what you're plugging into it so you didn't cause any damage on your end. That's right. That's On what the you car's gotta, end, meaning, you know? Right. That's why you got to make sure whatever you're plugging in and don't use all three outlets at the same time. Just do one at a time, but you got to make sure that the maximum amp load that you're putting on the device is probably no more than 15 amps you don't want to overload it that'll no. be that'll add up to about 180 watts and it's only designed to handle about 200 what? So. exactly yes i had to i'm sorry that's okay i know juvenile i just had to but yeah you know another thing too is that not to replace that fuse in your car if it says 15 amp that's as big as it goes in your car you do not put a 20 amp in a 15 amp circuit you're gonna All have right. a fire that's that's absolutely right. You, you don't overload it, just like you like just like at home. You don't overload it. That's why they have circuit breakers, and that's why they got the fuses in the car for that aspect. You definitely don't want to try and overload it with plugging in a bunch of stuff. Just do <laughs> one item at a time only. So you don't want it to look like the movie, uh, the Christmas story, where the father's plugging on all those outlets and that. No, the yeah, when he's, when he's got <laughs> about twelve, well, yeah, twelve extension cords into one outlet, and it's just, it's just all sparking and oh, yeah. everything. But he's just so happy. Oh yes, he is. But yes, we want you to be happy, but we don't want the car to spark. No, we don't want the car to catch on fire. Absolutely not. So remember that maximum load of fifteen amps only. But you know what? A neat idea. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty cool thing. I I thought it just fits right in your coffee cup holder mm-hmm. or your drink holder and good deal. Yeah, that's a that's how much a do these things go for? Uh, they run about sixty dollars. You can basically pick them up anywhere online, box stores, wherever. They're pretty uh, readily available. Uh, that's pretty good. I wonder if they come in something else other than coffee. <laughs> I don't know. So you have a two hundred watt power inverter with AC plugs. 
like yep. you have in your house, and one USB port. Yep. Good idea. Yeah, that's pretty. That's a pretty ingenious little thing. Sure is. Well, thank you, Peter. Thank you for taking the time out, and we look forward to talking to you next week. All right, sounds good. Take care. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that's pretty neat. You could put your portable heater in the car and some other things for winter. Uh, just don't forget to unplug it before you leave the car, or you're going to come back to a vehicle with a dead battery. AC power inverter. Looks like a coffee cup. What will they think of next? So let's go on to our tire tip, our tire tip of the week. And this week we're going to talk about how you can check the tires on your car. If you can remember the beginning of our show, I was talking to my pop and we were talking about you checking the tire tread. It's your responsibility as well as the technician you take it to. It's a, it's a group effort here, folks. And in between oil changes, when you get gasoline... You have to get gasoline every three, 350 miles. You pull into the gas pump, turn the wheels away from the gas pump, stop the car, get out, go around to the front before going to pump gas, take a look at the tires. This is a perfect opportunity to take a look at that tire tread. Look at that tire tread. Does it look like it's worn funny? A little more on one side than the other? Does it look choppy? I mean, you can tell. You don't have to really rub your hand on it. I know you're trying to keep clean, and, and pumping gasoline is going to be bad enough. But you can really eyeball it. You can see if it's choppy or not. If it is one of these two scenarios, then it's time to go and ask your ASC certified technician at your Blue Seal shop. Drive over during lunch hour, after work, before work, on the weekend, I don't care. Have it looked at. The sooner you catch this, the cheaper it's going to be for your wallet. We want you to be riding on perfectly aligned tires because when the tires are aligned, you waste less gas, you can brake better, and you can steer better. There's a reason why they have this geometry on the front end of the car, and the engineers have it set up so that you get your maximum miles per gallon, you get your maximum steering, and you get your maximum braking. Very important. We want to keep that money in your wallet. That's the whole key. Keep the money in your wallet. On this week's automotive history lesson, we're going to talk about disc brakes. I know everybody's heard of them. A lot of you haven't seen them, so I'm going to describe them to you. A disc brake, an actual silver disc that is behind the wheel on your vehicle. And when you apply the brake, the brake pushes fluid to the separate wheels to make the vehicle stop. Well, each wheel will have a disc, a round disc, kind of looks like a 78 on a record player. And this disc is stopped by this caliper. And this caliper has a set of pads on each side and it pinches this disc. Think of your hand grabbing a hot item out of the oven in a mitten as a caliper. Same concept, it pinches against this, it grabs hold and it doesn't let go. Same concept. Well, this wasn't too popular until about 20, 25 years ago. Before, they used to use drum brakes, which actually was shoes brake material that would press against a cylindrical object that resembled a drum and would make the vehicle stop rolling. But getting back to the disc brakes that they just started being popular because the metal alloys that really take care of the heat. They take the heat away, draw it away as a heat sink. 
this is what made it popular. We have this technology available. Back when they invented this in England in the 1890s, they really didn't have a choice of alloys. And they were using things like copper, and they were mixing some steel with it. They weren't quite sure how to master this. Well, it kind of went to the wayside and drum brakes went to its place because that was more substantial than trying to experiment with this disc material, especially going down dusty roads, roads that had gravel, so on and so forth. It was kind of hard on them where a drum system kind of protected the braking material. So in the late 40s, early 50s, we started to gain the technology to have disc brakes on cars. In fact, back in the late 60s, they actually started using them on more and more vehicles on the front axle only with the drum in the back. And it started getting a little more popular on motorcycles as well. Well, turn the page to the late 80s, early 90s, it started getting very popular with all four wheels instead. The technology was there. They understood it. We started getting into anti-lock braking systems. It was easier to manipulate the disc brakes for ABS systems than it was the drum brakes. So it did gain in popularity. As a matter of fact, on most of today's cars, you have disc brakes on the front and on the back. So that's how we got disc brakes. And I hope this automotive history lesson helps explain how your disc brakes work on your car. And that concludes this week's episode of Car Care for the Clueless. Again, I'd like to thank my dad, Jerry Oaks, giving us the explanation on alignments and how important it is for your vehicle, not only for the tires, but for the braking and the steering. Of course, thank you again to our gadget guru, Peter Sudak, that's a pretty interesting gadget, having that inverter in the car. I'm sure it'll help a lot of people out this winter. So I hope this helps you out. Remember, our whole goal is to make you a savvy car care consumer. Until next week, take care. Thanks for joining us today. Please make sure to come back next week for another edition of Car Care for the Clueless. And don't forget to look for Pam's book, Car Care for the Clueless, or How to Make Money While Maintaining a Vehicle. You'll find it on our website. Just click on the icon Host Website right in front of you on the webtalkradio.net page. See you next week.